a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Sportsbeat After Hours. I am your host, Hemahemuli Jr., back with another banger for y'alls. And joining me as always is the local lovable Canuck himself, Zach Hicken. Hema, what's up, dude? You are uh you're back from LA mm-hmm. in uh one piece. I'm glad <laughs> the earthquakes didn't get you. Um Suck it, San Andreas. Yeah, but uh, you were about, you and JJ are about the only ones who came back from that trip in one piece. Yeah. Do we want to talk about that game first? <laughs> sure, let's do it. Okay, um, BYU fans, you guys can skip forward. I don't know, maybe you guys want to soak in Utah fans' misery. Utah fans, you guys will get a dose later on of <laughs> the beatdown that was BYU-Washington. But um, let's start with, uh, let's get right into it with Utah-USC. Um Friday night at the Coliseum, a place where Utah has not won in over 100 years. I think it's been 103 years now. Yeah. A place where wow. Ute dreams go to die. Yeah. Uh, it was a it was a rough uh it was a rough go. Um yeah, me and Jeremiah Jensen headed out there Friday. We did like a quick trip type thing. Flew in Friday, went to the game, slept like 4 hours and then flew home the next morning. Sounds accurate to a work trip. Yeah. Yeah. It was very much a work trip. Yeah, we, people don't realize like when we go to these work trips, they usually suck. And it's not like it, people are like, "Oh, you get to watch the game free." Like I do get to watch the game for free, but I'm not just sitting chilling watching the game. I don't have a soda and a hot dog yeah. in my hand. In fact, I don't think me and JJ grabbed some food like right when we landed because we knew we wouldn't have time to eat the rest of the night and we didn't like yeah. I didn't eat till the next day. Yeah. Um so it was you know so Coliseum really cool place. I guess they redid it. It was my first time. I had never been there before. Um but it's a really cool atmosphere and That's awesome. Uh I was talking with Matt Glade, uh the executive producer here, also the uh host of the Scotsman podcast, he told me about the old Coliseum, how it was kind of a dump and the seats were gross and all miscolored and the press box was terrible. Nah, it's brand new press box, brand new seats. Um, That place is lit. And, you know, it wasn't packed because L.A. going to L.A., but it was a loud stadium for how many people were there. Um, Yeah. Really cool atmosphere. Yeah, so they um the capacity for the stadium is seventy eight thousand. Um and I I don't know how many they ended up getting. I have no idea. But I know the like top top upper bowls weren't filled and then they have like on the east side where the um the 
the Olympic, what is it? A torch? What is it called? The, uh, the big old torch that's over there. They close that off because the band sits there and, um, no one sits in those seats. So they definitely don't fill it. I mean, I'm sure they fill it when, you know, the NFL teams play there, but, um, yeah. Okay. So, so I just found the attendance. It was 55,719. Okay. So not a big, there about 23,000 empty seats. Yeah. Or 23,000 unsold tickets. Excuse me. Sorry. Sure. I know that people will get very upset. <laughs> this has been a hot topic. Well, let's not bring it up because okay. I don't want people telling me that they hope that I get fired from my job and that they hope that I don't cover Utah for a long time. So stupid. This whole seat thing, like, who cares? It was a joke, guys. Um, Ugh, so dumb. Okay. Speaking of jokes, let's talk about Utah's red zone <laughs> offense. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, so let me break it down real quick, as quick as yeah, I can. Yeah, you were there, and I want to I get your take on it because um, I've watched basically the second half. Um, I have seen bits and pieces of the first half. Um, I heard most of the game. I listened to most of it. Yeah. But getting a visual sense of what actually happened is a big difference than uh yeah just listening to it um you know it was electric before the kickoff um both teams looked really dialed in going into this game i thought utah was gonna smack usc i think we all did i think everyone did and um i think the reason they thought so is because utah was full health you know they had everyone there um all parts of the defense and the offense were there. Everything was clicking in the first half. Um, USC scored first. Um, well, okay, let me back it up. Yeah, you got to start with the Lucky Fotu knocks knocks uh, Slovis into next summer. Yeah, Keaton Slovis. I predicted this last week that he would not make it through the game. Yeah, do you remember he, that? He made it. Do two you remember snaps. that? I don't remember that, but okay. it sounds familiar. So you called it. He not only didn't make it through the game, he didn't make it through through more than two snaps. I said the after the way that um, Kyrus Tonga hit him yeah. in week three, between Bradley and I and Lucky Fotu, the freshman ain't going to make it out of that game alive. Yeah. And he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. Uh, um, second play of the game, like you said. So they wow. bring out the third string quarterback. Third stringer. Matt Fink. Matt Fink. He did play last year, though. But, I mean. He was in the transfer portal. Over the summer, mm-hmm. he thought he was going to leave USC. Then he put on a freaking show. And here's the thing that I noticed about, I mean, everybody noticed, but the the talent drop-off between the starter JT Daniels and, Matt, and the third stringer Matt Fink was very slight. In fact, Coach Whittingham said himself at the end of the game, it was like it, they had three of the same quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's like, the, the three guys are the same. Well, and and Fink was actually, at like, at one point, the fourth-string quarterback because the original second-string guy, and I don't know what his name is, transferred out of the program after JT Daniels got the starting job again this mm-hmm. year. And so Keaton Slovis was supposed to be the third-string guy. Fink was supposed to be the fourth-string wow. guy. So that's the thing that's just crazy. And Utah is getting there. Their depth is starting to get there, but they're sure. not four deep at quarterback yet. Right. Yeah, so there are some years that Utah's been pretty deep at quarterback. Mm-hmm. This year, I think that they would probably be like three deep, um, but there would be a slight drop-off. Tyler Huntley is obviously the guy. He's been great this year. 76% completion percentage, 
five touchdowns, no interceptions, he's only been sacked twice. Um, his backup is Jason Shelley, who we saw what Jason did last year. Mm-hmm. He played really strong. He had one of the biggest comeback wins in Utah football history over BYU. Yeah. Um, and then Drew Lisk, um, he's the third string guy, and he's gotten quite a bit of run this year. Um, I, mainly against Idaho State, six for six for th- uh, 38 yards. Um, and then Cam Rising, who's redshirting this year. Who word on the street is. He's probably the best quarterback. Yeah, he he could there. push Jason Shelley for the starting job next year. Like yeah. they have some really good quarterbacks in the program right now. And um yeah, I just I it's starting to get there on a regular basis where Utah can compete with these teams when they start seeing some of their depth drop off, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's um USC's just, you know, a, a a blue chip program and yeah. they get five star guys all the time, you know? And and it was evident with the third stringer um Matt Fink dropping dimes in the first half. Um now going into the game, I think that's kind of what the game plan was. Um you look at Utah's secondary, right? Jalen Johnson going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, Julian Blackman most likely going to the NFL as well. Um and then you got you know, Tariq Lewis, who's not bad himself. Um, and then the other guy, I forgot his name, but. Terrell Burgess. Burgess, yes. Um, really, really solid secondary. So Kyle Winningham kind of was daring USC to throw in that sense. They well, played man coverage pretty much the whole first half. So you kind of look at the way, and Kyle even kind of commented on this. When USC lost to BYU, BYU didn't really do much to try and disrupt their pass game or do much. He basically said because of the interceptions, that's why BYU was able to mm-hmm. hang around. Now, I do think that is part of the scheme that BYU runs. Running a zone scheme against a freshman quarterback in his first start on the road is going to confuse him. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that's something that Elisa Tuiaki did very well. Even though they didn't really bring pressures or blitzes or packages or anything of the sort... Um, like Utah did, the zone worked where man-to-man didn't. Because when you're matching up guys that are um, as good as they may be, you know, six foot three is going to be 5'11". Right. Six foot three is going to be, and that's Tariq Lewis at 5'11". Six foot three is going to be Javelin Guidry at 5'9". Burgess and Blackman are six foot, six foot one, and Jalen Johnson's six foot. Josh Nurse is the only guy that can match up physically with those wide receivers at six foot three. And, you know, as much as you put up, um, as talented as those guys are, if you're throwing up a 50-50 ball, yelling 500, yeah. then, you know, half the time the wide receiver is going to come down with it. And there were a couple times that Utah made big plays. They did. They got interceptions. The Terrell Burgess interception that he returned all the way to what, like the three or five yard line, whatever, yeah. seven yard line. Um, but at the same time... um. You get these big wide receivers from USC, and they're going to make big plays. Like they're a very good, and I think maybe we discredited them a little bit because, um, you know, Stanford didn't look as good as we thought they would to start the season. I'm sorry, no, Emma. they're awful. They they really. I'm are sorry. Awful. We don't have to get into that, but yeah, they're not good. And then I think that we kind of did USC a disservice by how they played against BYU. We didn't give BYU enough credit for that win. 
I think we really discredited BYU, and we basically were like, oh, USC's a fraud. Utah's going to run away with this game. USC, despite their shortcomings, still has a lot of talent in their program. Still have a lot of really highly paid coaches, and their offense is good. Um, And so, yeah, it just... So, you know, to take it back to your point, like 50-50 balls, chunk yardage... You only need a few plays, and that's exactly what happened with USC. They they didn't run that. They didn't get as many yardage offensively as Utah did. In fact, Utah, I think, had a, the lion's share of the offensive production. It's just USC found a way to get more out of less in the sense of, like, home run balls over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the defense, I think – People, okay, Utah Twitter just melted down after this game. Oh, you think? It was terrible. But you got to remember, going into the half, it was only 14-10. Mm-hmm. USC only had a four-point lead. At halftime, I f- still thought that Utah should win that game. Now, granted, that was like, my thinking. Utah fumbled you know, in the red zone right before the half. But mm-hmm. still, four points, easy. It's it, You're still in the game. There's still a whole half of football to play. But for some reason, I feel like that momentum in the first half kind of evaporated for Utah, and it carried over into the second half. Um, if Brumfield doesn't fumble that ball and they score, it's a completely different lead. ball game. Yeah, it's a completely different ball game. And Utah would get the ball back at the half. Yeah. So, um, so either way you look at it, it's you know Utah wasn't in a giant hole. You know, even though they fumbled, they got the ball back in the second half. It's just there was a there was a different attitude and a mindset that Utah has had this entire year that they did not have in the second in, in this game. I don't think. I don't know what it was. I don't know what the Coliseum does to the youths, but they just couldn't. That edge wasn't there. Yeah, and that's the one thing that you see in so many of their wins is that like. They've got that chip on their shoulder, and we were worried about that coming into the season when they're hearing all off season that, hey, Utah is a contender for a, a college football playoff game. They've never been here before. Yeah. They've never been the favorite. They've always sure. been the underdog, needing to prove themselves against the big boys in the Pac-12. They've arrived now, yeah. and they had a chance to prove that, hey, you know what? When we're the favorite, we can run the table. Well, and I don't even think that was the expectation for them to run the table. Maybe it was in the South, but to come out as the top team in the Pac-12. And now, I really don't know what to make of the Utes. Uh, yeah. I, got, I don't know how to read them. I do not know what to expect heading into this game against Washington State. And it gets even trickier because um, early in the second half, uh, you know, Zach Yeah, we've Moss, kind of buried the lead. Yeah, it's it's fine. We, we can cover it. Zach Moss ends up going to the locker room and the second half does not come back. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in, in the third, end of the third, he comes out in street clothes with his arm in a sling. Um, now, normally you would think that'd be a really big concern. And it is. Zach Moss is a really good player. But like we talked about, Utah's depth is so deep, especially at the running back position, that they actually didn't really... Lose a step. They still think. ran for 247 yards. Yeah, behind the backs of, like, Devin Brumfield and... Uh, Devontae Henry Cole. Cole. Yeah, who scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a 20... 15, 13... 17, yeah. Yeah. 20-yard uh, touchdown. It's... 
So as concerning as it is to lose Zach Moss, who is a, who's an important piece to your offense, you know, they did really well. And in fact, Tyler Hundley did really well too. So to, to call this entire game a disaster isn't really fair in my opinion. I think Utah played really well. Um, offensively, they were fine. Tyler Huntley had a huge game. And in fact, he carried the team in a lot of aspects in passing, in third down conversions, in rushing yards. Tyler Huntley was the man. It's just the defense couldn't get it done. Yeah, which is weird to say. Weird. Um, and the problem that this game does, too, is that it puts them... USC's now 2-0 and in the Pac-12. Uh-huh. They got a one-game lead. They win the tiebreaker between the Utes, so the Utes right. have to finish one win better than USC in Pac-12 play. Okay, they got nine games to do that. Can Utah finish 8-1 and one and USC finish 7-2? and two? It's definitely possible. I mean, you look at the remainder of USC's schedule. Okay, next week they're on the road at Washington. I think Washington is a class above USC. Washington is a very good team, and we're going to get to Washington later. Then they play Notre Dame, non-conference game on the road. They're great this year. Arizona, they're going to get that win. Colorado, they'll probably get that. Then they get Oregon, but it is at home in November. We don't know how these two teams are going to look in November. Oregon's currently 13th in the country. Uh, just got a big win over Stanford. Uh-huh. Um, Arizona State uh, has been kind of back and forth. They just lost to Colorado and fell out of the rankings. Um, and then Cal, who Cal's kind surprise. of been the surprise of the uh, of the Pac-12 this year with the win over Washington. And then they beat Ole Miss on the road yesterday. And then and again, it's November. We don't know what Cal's going to look like in November. We don't know still, what USC's going to look like either. They that is a dangerous matchup. And then they finish the season with UCLA, which UCLA is bad, but at the same time, we saw what they did to Washington State. Crazy. Which was the craziest comeback I've ever seen in a game. Um I mean, UCLA was basically down and out in this game. They scored 29 points in the fourth quarter and uh 50 in the second half. Insane. They were trailing 35 to 17 at the half, came back to win 67-63. Pac-12 after dark. Um, there's nothing like it. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> and that's the thing with the Pac-12. Yeah, USC has to drop two more games. They have the uh they're they have um they have to go 5 and 2 down the stretch with Utah running the table uh-huh. in order for Utah to win the Pac-12 South. Um so let's look at Utah's schedule. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, quick? yeah. I'm pulling up Utah's okay. schedule right now. Uh, so they, next week. Hosting Washington Hosting State. Washington State. Another spread offense team. Mike Leach has Kyle Whittingham's number. They're going to need to learn to play some sort of zone. Even if it's a basic zone that they can cover their blitzes and cover um, what they're doing, uh, like on the back half of their coverages yeah. and stuff like that. They need to find a way to create some kind of confusion in the defensive secondary because if not then Mike Leach is going Mike Leach is looking at this USC game plan in the film and he's just going to salivate over it because he's just yeah. such an offensive mastermind when it comes to passing. Now granted, Washington State's defense is not good. No. Um I could see them you know, I could see it maybe being a shootout, but I just don't know what to expect. Uh let, let me let me just chime in right here real quick. No, go ahead. This is 
my conspiracy theory. Okay. Okay. Dirty little secret that I think happened in the Utah USC game. I think, I think Utah was a little overconfident in their defensive secondary so much so that they played man probably three quarters of the game, maybe three and a half quarters of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, thinking that they would get him eventually. Yeah. They just, and they, I don't know. I just think they were just so confident in that secondary. Well, and this is the best secondary that Utah has had maybe ever. Yeah. And in my opinion, and that's not to say that they're not, it's just, you know, Utah is famous for making second half adjustments. Well, and the other thing too, is that they also, when they win games, it's because they get forced turnovers on the back end of that defense. Mm -hmm. And so I think they're kind of expecting another Terrell Burgess-esque play to kind of get them back in this. Yeah. But, you know, after three quarters, man, maybe you should think about dropping eight. <laughs> just yeah. just to see what that does to shake up the momentum of the USC offense. But, um, you know, who knows? Maybe they learn from this. Maybe they go into Washington State thinking, hey, Washington State's not as good as USC, so mm-hmm. maybe we'll go man again. Who knows? Yeah. I would hope not. I would hope that they make some sort of adjustments. And I guess we'll find out in the first quarter of next weekend's game. But um, anyways, Washington State coming up next. Then they're on the road at, or actually they got a bye on October 5th. Okay. Then they're at Oregon State. Then they host Arizona State, who's always tricky against the Utes. Host Cal, again, number 15, at Washington, November 2nd. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, then UCLA, Arizona, Colorado. So Utah really can't lose, afford to lose another game. No. If if they lose to Washington State this week, they can basically kiss their hopes for a Pac-12 championship goodbye. It will be a disaster. Yeah. This is a borderline disaster, in my opinion. The loss sure. to USC. This is bad. Yeah. Utah needed to run the table in the Pac-12 South. They could afford to drop a game against Washington or Washington State. Yeah. They couldn't afford to do what they did on Friday night. And it just it just gets trickier because, I mean, you, lo- you lost USC. UCLA looks really good now. A lot of those North teams play really well against Utah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just it's they have to bring it. Against Washington State, there's no, yeah. there's no, no, nothing else they can do. Yeah, they have to bring it. Yeah, it's just thank goodness that it's at home because Pullman's a really hard place to play. It is a hard place to play. It's, I don't think you fly directly into there. You got to fly. I don't even know uh, where you fly bend? into. I don't know. We probably know. You're a, no you're idea. an airplane guy. All right, Hema. Um, I think that's everything that we have for the Utes. Let's go ahead and turn our attention now to the BYU Cougars. Okay. They just kind of got their butts whooped this weekend um, against the Washington Huskies. 45-14, to 14, or excuse me, 45-19 to 19 was the final score. Um, and it was just kind of all Washington from the beginning. I don't know how much of the game you had a chance to see. Not a lot. But I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses for BYU because good teams don't make mistakes. Yeah. Especially the type of mistakes that BYU made. Um, but I'm just so looking at this this game, Washington gets the ball and puts together they get the ball to start the game. 
they put together an eight play seventy five yard drive uh to go up seven to nothing. Wow. Um first play of the game. Sean McGrew, the backup running back, goes twelve yards right through the heart of the BYU defense. And it's just kind of like, okay, that's what this is gonna be today. That was kind of like my feeling. Okay. And that's kind of how it was. Jacob Eason just kind of picked apart BYU. On this first drive, 21-yard pass, 18-yard pass. Wow. Um, 17-yard touchdown pass on a broken coverage on third and six. Uh, they had two third downs that BYU had opportunities to stop them yeah. on that drive, and they just didn't get it done. So BYU comes out. The offense is looking pretty good. They're flowing They're in a good rhythm, and they end up getting a field goal, so it's 7-3. to three. And then Washington responds with an 11-play, 68-yard drive that um, was basically kept alive by BYU, okay? So they end up getting um, one, two, three third downs on this drive, okay? Okay. The key one was a third and 11 um, back on their own 35, Good field position. Really good field position. Uh, Isaiah Kafusi gets a sack. But then on the back side, so um, Jacob Eason, Washington's quarterback, rolling left, Kafusi chases him down and sacks him. Isaiah does. Wait, well, me... on the right side, okay. Isaiah Heron oh, is called it. for a face mask. And so that gives, um, instead of being fourth and 16 and punting the ball away, it's an automatic first down, gives them new life. That. That's got to be Heron's third or fourth face mask this year. Yeah. Well, <laughs> someone someone did point that out to me. I think that a lot of people are mixing him up with D'Angelo Mandel, who had one against Utah. That was the one that um, kept a long Utah drive alive. Oh, that was like the third and 20 or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, third and 27. Um, and then later on the drive, um, second and five, Uriah Leatawa. He gets a big sack or a tackle for loss, and he's called for a, a face mask. And so that leads to um, Washington's second touchdown in the game. They're up 14-3 with 3.50 left in the game. BYU gets the ball back, and Washington's defense shows up, sacks Zach Wilson. And let me tell you the reason that Washington was able to get good pressure. BYU figure this out. But what was happening was Zach Wilson is clapping when he's ready for the ball to come. So he goes clap, and the ball snapped by James Empey as soon as that comes. Mm-hmm. They were timing his claps. And you could see in the film from the game broadcast angle that the linebackers start showing pressure as soon as he claps. So they started mixing it up, and they caught Washington offsides like three or four times cool. because of the way that they were timing that up. But that was one of those plays where they brought pressure, there was a little bit of a twist up front. Tristan Hodge didn't get his guy. Sack Zach as he's dropping, as his arms going back, and it's a scoop and score. Mm. It's 21-3 to with, like, two minutes left in the first quarter. They scored two touchdowns in, like, a couple minutes. In a minute and a half. Jeez. And the key to winning games, like, in big road games are special teams touchdowns and defensive touchdowns. Washington got both of those. Now, my big complaint about BYU is that um, 
they every time that they would have a good thing happen, a negative or several negatives would follow up with that. Okay, so leading up to that fumble return for a touchdown, uh, Lapini Katoa has a forty-eight yard return into Washington territory. It's BYU's longest return of the year. It's the longest return that they've probably had in like two or three years. Mm-hmm. Um, the not the first play, but second play of that drive, second and three. Zach Wilson throws a ball to a wide open Talon Shumway, like into the red zone, and he drops the ball. He's a senior wide receiver that should not be making that mistake. Okay, so he drops the pass. So it's still third and three. Mm-hmm. You got Tyson Williams still in the game at that point. Can run the ball with him, but guess what? There was an in, an ineligible man downfield, backs him up five yards, third and eight. They do convert on that. Matt Bushman, it's the 23-yard back shoulder fade. He's lined up in the slot and runs the uh, the, the corner fade, mm-hmm. um, which was a great play call, by the way. Great route. Um, and we're going to talk more about how they utilize Bushman because I sure. like what they did. They lined him up at four different positions. But anyway, the play after that um, was the uh, the fumble return for a touchdown was the play after the Matt Bushman. Okay. So, um, anyway, it was just like, okay, they do a positive, they do a positive, they do a positive, then it's a negative. Um, like after, um, after the, uh, uh, Bushman made that big play, he had a false start, lined up at wide receiver. He had a false start. You should never have a false start when you're lined up at wide receiver. Um, later on, um, so BYU punts the ball away, or sorry, BYU ends up getting the ball back. Um, they have a on second and ten with 46 seconds left in the first quarter. Uh, there's a big completion of Matt Bushman. It's called back for offensive holding. Okay. So they're brought back to their own 26. It's second and 20, and then they have to punt the ball away. And they just they weren't able to get momentum because of these constant mistakes that they were making. Um, and Washington capitalized. They didn't make the same mistakes. Um, they, uh, you know, and it helps when Jacob Eason, what was he? 24 for 28 on the day for yeah, 24 for 28 for 290 wow. yards. That's impressive. Yeah. It was we, all, we know he's really a good quarterback. That's just, he only incompleted four passes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He basically had an incompletion on the first drive of the game. And I don't think he had another one until like the third quarter. He was just, he was ridiculous, but the thing that was impressive to me about BYU is this team, for as many mistakes as they made, in the first half, they were not out of it. Okay, so they get down, they are down 24-3 to in with 11 minutes left in the second quarter. Oh, You would think that they would roll, roll over and just let Washington kind of um, kick them while they're down. Uh-huh. Well, you, well, BYU responds with a touchdown drive. They get Emmanuel Supa into the end zone, took advantage of a pass interference in the end zone to get down to the two yard line. It's 24 to nine. They come up with a big defensive stop. The next series getting the, the fake field goal. Uh-huh. Washington got all the way down to like the five yard line goes for the field goal with Peyton Henry. Um, they end up faking it and BYU gets a stop on the one yard line. Um, marches again, all the way downfield puts together a 13 play drive and, um, Jake Oldroyd hits a 54-yard field goal, 
which is BYU's longest field goal in 13 years. Wow. Yeah. It's the first time they've hit a, uh, a 50-yarder in 13 years. Jeez. Which is pretty crazy. I'm... Um, so they find themselves down 24 to 12 at half, getting the ball back to start the second half. Well, what does BYU do to start the second half? They make another mistake. Zach Wilson to Dax Milne on third and four. It's an eight yard completion. Dax picks up the first down and he fumbles the ball. Three plays later, Washington scores Andre Bacellia 35 yards for a touchdown. Okay. So it's just this. Constant pattern of BYU making mistakes, turning the ball over, and Washington capitalizing. How many turnovers did they have? Um, three. Okay. So, yeah, BYU had three. Um, and uh, there were even times that they fumbled but recovered. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so, like, not to digress, but in the Utah game that I went to, Utah had two turnovers, two fumbles um, that were lost. And they had seven penalties for 70 yards. Yeah. That's kind of the story for both of these teams is just undisciplined play. Uh, yeah. And I didn't expect that from Utah. No. I didn't expect Utah's a veteran team. BYU is still a young team. They're still learning. They're playing against really good teams. And they're starting to get their depth tested. And we're seeing that now with – um. Sorry, going back to the first half, but Tyson Williams was hurt to end the end the uh, uh, second quarter, and it turns out we just found out that he tore his ACL and is done for the season. Mm-hmm. It's devastating news for BYU. He it's... was kind of the spark that made this offense go. Anytime they got stuck in a position where they couldn't get make a play, they could go to him and trust him to make it. It was the biggest pickup in the offseason that they yeah. could have made. yeah. So we don't know what the future holds for Tyson. I don't think he even knows at this point. I don't know if he will apply for a medical redshirt waiver. Who I don't knows? know. We don't know what his plan is. But but BYU's track record with the NCAA hasn't been great as of late. Yes. Yeah. So that, that's for sure. Um, so what does this mean for BYU losing a runner like Tyson Williams? Does that make them one-dimensional? I don't think so. I think they still have two experienced running backs that – might not be able to compete the same way that Tyson did against P5 teams, but they don't have another P5 team on the schedule. True. They do still have Utah State and Boise State, which are very good programs. Yes. But... And Toledo. And Toledo. Yeah, they play Toledo on Saturday. Um, but I think Emmanuel and Lapini can both kind of hold their own against the remaining opponents on the schedule. Okay. Now, if this happened in Game 1 against Utah, and they have Tennessee and USC and Washington still on the slate... Then I would be a little bit worried. But thankfully, Grimes didn't run Tyson Williams at all against Utah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've already talked enough about that. But anyway, so the last thing that I kind of want to touch on is um, BYU, after that Washington touchdown, they get a three and out. Or excuse me, it's not a three and out. First yard, uh, first uh, carry for Emmanuel Supo, that drive goes 14 yards. Then the next three plays, first, second, third down, they don't convert, punt it away, and Aaron Fuller returns the ball, 88 yards for a touchdown. Jeez. Special teams mistake, Dion who didn't hold outside containment. He just broke it down the outside, and when you have a guy as fast as Fuller, like you're not going to catch him. Again, discipline. Yeah. Another lack of discipline. Yep, and it's just another 
when you make a mistake, Washington capitalizes. Yeah. And so um, the good news is, is I don't think BYU um, – I don't think BYU – I don't think the loss was as bad as it looks, if that no. makes sense. You come away from this loss, especially losing – I mean, losing Tyson kind of adds another dimension, especially now that we know that he's done for the season. Um, but I, I my – my thing, my belief still is that BYU might be able to win six or seven more games and finish with eight or nine wins, which is a big step forward for this program. It's coming off of where they were in 2017, and you're constantly growing. You're building to that 2020 season where you can really do something special. You, it's perspective, man. I, the people that so I talked about Utah Twitter melting down on Friday night. BYU Twitter kind of started melting down on Saturday. I think they melted down during the game, but I think they kind of came back in their own because no one out of the first four games, no one expected them to beat Washington. That was like the one game. And for some weird reason, BYU fans had like this weird fantasy of BYU beating Utah. No, beating Utah. Beating Utah. And they just thought that they were due this year. And unfortunately, they weren't. Utah just knows how to play BYU. They know how to game plan for it. But yeah, but anyway. it's it's and you know honestly, you look at the first four games of the schedule last year. Uh, you're it's last year. You look at the first four schedules uh, games of the schedule this year, and you're like, okay, BYU is going to finish two and two. Would you have taken that? Absolutely. Yeah. And so BYU is sitting really pretty right now. The epic collapse will probably happen if they lose to Toledo. Yes. Because that does not look good. No. As good as Toledo is, it's it's a G5 program that uh-huh. BYU probably should beat. But there are a lot of hurdles in this game. Okay, it's the first game without Tyson Williams. They are banged up on both sides of the ball. Okay, yeah. Micah Simon was wearing a knee brace during um, the Cougar Canyon walk. He's your leading receiver. Yeah. Um, he did play in the game, though. Moroni Laulu Pututau. Did not play in the game. We don't know why. Oh. Um, he did not play in the game. Yeah. Keenan Peely is out. out. We don't know when he's going to come back. Yeah. Um, it's not at this point season end- ending. Now, as far as season ending injuries, Zane Anderson is out for the season. And that's a big loss for that defense, especially moving him back to safety. Um, they were playing guys like Bo Tanner, who was done with football in the spring and decided to come back at the last second. Yeah. And Sawyer Powell, which I'm not being negative about Sawyer, but he's not the same caliber of athlete as Zane and Austin Lee. Yeah. And so they're a little bit banged up. Um, luckily, they're still good on the offensive front. Emmanuel and Lapini, I think, are ready to shoulder that load that they're going to have to with Tyson. I think BYU will probably start throwing the ball a little bit more. They're going to keep being creative with Bushman. And that's the last thing I want to get to with this game is I love what BYU and Grimes did with Bushman, lining him up. He played four different positions in this game. He played tight end with his hand in the dirt. He played H-back. He played slot receiver, and he played wide receiver. Okay, After being held to just three receptions over the last two weeks, he comes away with six catches for 89 yards. And when he's your best receiving threat, you need to find a way to get him involved in your offense. And I think that's going to be key for BYU moving forward, finding mismatches. Because he's going to be the player that um, opposing defense is key on. So whether it's by running play action to get linebackers to suck in and you run a drag route over the top, or lining him up against a defensive back, a, a 
safety or a corner, that's how you find those mismatches because he's going to be able to out physically play those teams. But when he's you know going up against a P five outside linebacker that's going to be playing in the league next year, yeah, it it causes some difficulties. He might not be able to separate himself. But and you know like Bushman's he's special. Like when was the last time BYU had a big physical receiver that could line up outside over there? Like it's been a while. Yeah, Um, I mean, so you think about like Mitch Matthews. Taron Houck. Taron Houck was really good. Pe- yeah. People really discredit Taron Houck. Like, they're quick to forget. Taron Houck was legit. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and uh, you know, the the Jurgens, they were, like, great receivers, too. But, like, Nick Kurtz. Like, what was the last tall, big body that we had? It's been a while. It has been a while. I mean, it's like... In terms of what Matt does, I'd say he's kind of similar to Dennis Pitta. Okay. Just in terms of his athleticism and his ability to get open, play multiple positions. Right. You could have lined Dennis up at wide receiver and he could he could make plays. Absolutely. Um and they had a great one two punch with him and Andrew George mm-hmm. during his career. And um unfortunately, you know, BYU's a little bit thin at tight end right now. Right. Um and so they don't really have that was and that's like another thing. Sorry, this is my last thought. I know I've said that a couple times, but <laughs> they went into the season thinking that they had three or four tight ends that could play heavy, heavy minutes, and they're down to one guy right now. And so I think that kind of changes the way that they're going to run their offense, their base offense, and what they want to do. So Zach threw the ball 42 times this game. They ran it 27. I'm guessing we'll probably see a similar balance, probably 40 to 25, if they're running about 65 to 70 plays. Yeah. We'll probably see that again this week against Toledo. Um, the challenges that you see in this game, obviously Tyson's gone. It's a 10 a.m. Mountain Time kickoff Oof. on the East Coast where BYU is not historically great. Um, but if they can get past this one, they're 3-2 and two, heading into a bye week. They can rest up, get some of these guys who are a little bit banged up, mm-hmm. even guys that are playing through injuries because there are a lot of guys um, that are playing through injuries, and I'm not going to name names. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're getting work with the trainers, getting cortisone shots, getting what they can to contribute to this team who are really looking forward to that bye week after a tough four-game slate to open the year. Yeah. Um, so that'll be good. That's something we got to look forward to. Uh, BYU at Toledo. Um, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good opportunity for guys to step up and for the offensive play calling to step up as well. You know, try it. With what you have, try new things that will work is my hope for this next Mm -hmm. game. Um, Let's move on to uh, Utah State. Utah State. So we're going to do just kind of a brief recap of Utah State. This was the most excited we got yesterday at work, maybe besides the Washington State-UCLA game. We were hooting and hollering. We actually had someone come across from – so for those of you who are unfamiliar, I'm guessing most of you, um, (laughs) unfamiliar with the way – the uh, KSL newsroom is laid out. Sports is on one section of the building, and like the News. rest of the newsroom is like an, on another section of the building. And usually on the weekends, we are all alone by ourselves. Yeah, especially late at night. So we're watching this game. It's like eleven thirty, and um, Utah State is down to like the San Diego State's down to its last play, and their quarterback runs backward thirty eight yards from the thirty nine yard line. <laughs> Like, trying to avoid pressure. He literally just runs straight backwards. It was the weirdest thing. It was thing. the weirdest thing. And finally, he just realized that he was completely, like, 
at his goal line. Yeah, at his goal line. So he just chucked the ball down. Yeah. Like short armed it, like shot put at it. <laughs> and he ended up getting called for intentional grounding from the spot of the foul. So if yeah. you went, or we were Utah we State, weren't exaggerating when we said straight back. Yeah, Utah State it, got the up. ball back on their own one yard line and w- was able to kneel it. Um but I liked what we saw from Utah State in this game. First time in fifty two years that they've beaten the Aztecs. Um, big game from Jordan Love on the road. We talked about earlier on our podcast when we previewed Utah State season. We said Jordan Love would need to perform on the road in order for the Aggies to win their big road games against San Diego State and Fresno yes. State. And we we also said that he needed a big win. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this isn't a P five win, but San Diego it's an State undefeated San is Diego a great State, which team. is a really good defensive team. Yeah. He was 30 for 47 for 293 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Um, the bright spot on this um, Aggie offense is Jalen Warren again. Again. 17 carries for 74 yards. Unbelievable. Um, he also had uh, three catches for 40 yards, so 114 yards of total offense for Jalen Warren. Savon Scarver looked really good, uh, five catches for 90 yards, COC Mariners. 774, he just keeps doing his thing. He's the guy right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What a great pickup for the Aggies. Yeah. So good. Big body target, catches everything that's thrown to him. Mm-hmm. COC's been really impressive. Absolutely. And another thing that's been impressive is the defense, okay? So Utah State gives up to start the game. San Diego State puts together a 16-play, 70-yard drive, kills seven minutes off the clock. Oof. Okay. Um, and so guess what? The defense gets a little bit tested. Then next time on the field, uh, Ryan Agnew is picked off by Shaq Bond. He takes it 48 yards to the house. That gives Utah State a 7-3 lead. They never look back after that. We're up 20-3 to at the half. That was when, uh, with like 30 seconds left in the half, that's when Jalen Warren scored his touchdown mm-hmm. to go up 20-3. to And then, um, they open the second half with a field goal. They're up 23-3. to And then, um, San Diego State made things interesting. Um, Ryan Agnew had like this really weird scramble, mm. rolling out and throwing across his body uh, for a twenty-five yard touchdown. Me and Matt jokingly called it like a poor man's back to Harleen because <laughs> the the guy was ridiculously wide open. Yeah, yeah, it was just like they completely forgot that he was there. Yeah, uh, and then their next drive, they ended up scoring a touchdown. Um, and then, you know, finally, Utah State's defense holds on. Um, they get that big play like we talked about at the end. If you guys want more on the Utah State recap, go listen to uh, the Scotsman. Good podcast. Matt put together a really good breakdown of that game. Um, but I guess my one thing that I want to say about the Aggies is um, they put themselves in position to do big things with the remainder of their Mountain West schedule yes they play colorado state next week at home should be a gimme should be should be but colorado state always is a weird team they had last year when they played colorado state they thought they had lost on a hail mary but colorado state's wide receiver had stepped out of bounds before he caught the ball so he was ineligible. so he was an ineligible receiver the game was over wild and then the week after that they had to baton rouge to play louisiana state so uh they're meeting some crawdads and uh Hunting some tiger, yeah. <laughs> um, it's gonna be a great game. I think. Um, who did you say they play this week up in Logan? It's Colorado State. Colorado State. That's right. 
Colorado State will be a good tune-up game. And I say tune-up game to LSU just because it's the game before. But Jordan Love is making some big strides, I think. Um, He's doing what we hope he'll do, which is win on the road. He's also been completing a lot of passes. But now I want to see him run a little bit more. Jordan Mm -hmm. Love's a good runner. And there's a lot of times times where he could have he could have gotten 10, 15 yards, but chose not to because he was doing the quarterback thing. If you haven't heard us say it, we'll say it again. He is an NFL quarterback playing in college right now. So he's got his eyes downfield, but he's athletic and he needs to use that. And so I'm hoping against Colorado State that he can use a little bit more athleticism. They can spread the ball a little bit more than they have already um, because as soon as they play LSU, they're going to need all the weapons that they can muster. Absolutely. Um, and so, uh, luckily for the Ags, after their game against LSU, they do have a bye before rounding out their uh, Mountain West slate, as well as their big rivalry game against BYU. Uh, it goes Nevada, Air Force on the road, BYU in Logan, at Fresno, Wyoming, Boise State is at home. Now up to number 16 at this point of the season. I don't know where they'll be on uh november 23rd but then they finished the season against new mexico so uh utah state's first test on the road come victorious get their first win against san diego in 52 years and uh, like i said earlier put themselves in prime position to continue to compete for that mountain west mountain division title um and so that's all we have for the local uh college football teams um Hammett, tonight the uh, Emmys were on. They were? They were on. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so in case you guys don't know, um, we're very out of the loop sometimes with things just because... It's been a blur of a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I just wanted it. to kind of recap some of the uh, the winners. Okay, I'm interested to know. Okay, best comedy, Fleabag. Oh, uh, okay. Best Love drama, that. Game of Thrones. Okay, love that. We talked a lot about that in our early episodes of our podcast. Um, don't necessarily agree with uh, them awarding that to uh, Game of Thrones for this season, but <laughs> I think that was more of a overall overall thing. award. Congratulations on everything they did. Uh, best limited series, Chernobyl. Have you watched Chernobyl I yet? I haven't watched it yet. Chernobyl is the best limited series, and they've done a lot of good ones that HBO has done in the last couple of years. HBO. It's better I, than the Night of. It's better than uh, Big Little Lies, and it's better than Sharp Objects. Have you seen? Okay, Band Brothers is really good. I liked that one. Yeah. Anyways, uh, keep going. Okay. Uh, best actress in a comedy, Fleabag, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Okay. Um, best actor comedy. We're gonna be big. We're gonna be very happy about this one. Barry. <gasps> Bill Hader won. Wow. Good yeah. for him. We so really love. Barry. We've been on uh, Barry since day one. Yeah, I watched like the premiere live on HBO. I got him into it um, like shortly after. You were, I remember you were like, you've got to watch Barry. Like I kept nagging him. I think that he was just like, dude, stop, dude, stop, dude, stop. You finally watched it. You agreed. Um, it really is it's very great. good. Um, other notable ones: uh, Jodie Comer, uh, best actress in a drama for Killing Eve. Have you seen Killing Eve nah. yet? So I watched the first season. Jodie Comer is very good. Like very, very good. I. Like, I've heard the name Killing Eve before. I have no idea so what it's about. It's about um, 
this lady who works for MI5 is like an analyst. She's hunting a hit woman. Oh. An assassin. So it's like a she James Bond, basically. Yes. Jamie Very Bond. good. Very good. Um, my one thing that I'm kind of concerned about with the, or I guess my one complaint uh, for the best actress comedy, give some love to uh, Mrs. Maisel. Oh, my goodness. Because she's so good. By that the way, second season was amazing. When does the next season come out? December. Oh, okay. Good. So it's, it's been coming forever. Up. It's coming up. Okay. Um, other notable ones that I um, want to talk about. Uh, best Actor in a Limited Series. Another really good limited series. This is a Netflix series, When They See Us. Uh, Jarell Jerome. So this is about the Central Park Five. Oh, okay. It's about five young African-American men who were like between the ages of like 13 and 16 who were wrongfully framed for a rape. Uh-huh. And they spent basically into their 30s in prison Sheesh. for a crime they did not commit. And so um, this was a really good series. If you guys haven't watched this yet, it's like five episodes, about an hour to an hour 20 each. Whoa. Really emotional. Like one of the better series that Netflix has picked up um, for their original programming. Okay. Uh, supporting actress in a comedy. You will appreciate this. Alex Borstein in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She's great. She... And Midge make that series. Yeah. Um, supporting actress in a drama, Julia Garner in Ozark. Ozark picked up a couple oh, of awards. Um, supporting actor in a drama, Peter Dinklage. Okay. Uh, for he Game of fantastic. Thrones. Um, variety sketch series, Saturday Night Live. This last season was one of the best seasons that I think that they've had in a while. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Great. With this new, with this modern Great cast. guests, and this cast is really starting to come on its own. Really, I'm super bummed out that Leslie Jones left, and it sounds like it wasn't her decision. Um, it makes me sad, though, because, like, she wasn't, like, as much of, like, a main player as some of the other main players. But anytime that she was, like, the featured role in a sketch, she just nailed it. And whenever, she was so good. Whenever her and Kenan Thompson are, like, married couples or a oh, yeah. couple, it's great. <laughs> yeah. And anytime that she was on Weekend Update, I always yeah. enjoyed it, too. Um See, I'm just going through a couple other things that uh, we'd in, um, enjoy. Do you watch Handmaid's Tale? No. Okay, they pick up a couple of uh, uh, awards for guest actresses. Okay. Jane Lynch in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, guest actress in a comedy. Um, what? Oh, directing for a drama series, Jason Bateman. Okay. For Ozark. Um, for Ozark, yeah. So a lot of Ozark, a lot of streaming shows, really interesting. Yeah. Like not as many TV as not as many network television shows as I think there would be. I don't think I see the only Netflix. Okay. The Simpsons for animated series. Okay. Um, they went succession by the way, succession is the best show on TV right now. Wow. Hands down bar none. If you are not watching succession, Get on it, okay? <laughs> this is the best show on TV. It might be better than Billions, which I think Billions has been the best show on TV for the last three years. Are they both Showtime? Uh, Succession is HBO. Okay. Billions is Showtime. Okay. You need to watch Succession. It is, Emma, I'm telling you, it is your kind of show. Okay. It is amazing. 
if you are not watching Succession, get on the bandwagon now. You can thank me later. <laughs> it is so good. I mean, you were right about Barry, so. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about when it comes to TV. Okay. Like, I've been telling my mother-in-law for like three years to get it together and watch The Sopranos. And she finally did. And she's like, uh, she watched the first two seasons in like two days. Oh, wow. And she was like, oh my gosh. She's like, this is amazing. And like, you watch it through for the first time and you're just intrigued in the story. But when you watch it through and through, you pick up these little nuances and um, just background things. And every time you watch The Sopranos, it's better. Okay. But Succession is a show that I will watch it with my wife and then I will sit down and rewatch it by myself and just rewind these little moments because they're just little interactions with these actors who are horrible, horrible people. Okay. So let me give you the premise. It's about a family that owns a major media corporation. Basically the size of like, it's like if Fox news were Disney, if that makes sense. Whoa. So their main, they're, they're like a right wing news conglomerate that also owns movie uh, studios, uh, amusement parks oh, okay. um, across the world, um, cruises. So, like I said, it's like, like if Fox News okay. owned Disney in that aspect. And these are just horrible, horrible people that are just selfish and they loathe each other and their family and they just are back stabbing each other in the back and just always trying to get the upper edge. But just the interactions are so good and uh, so Macaulay Culkin's brother is one of the siblings on it, Kieran, Kieran? Culkin. Oh, he's great. He's I like him. so good in it. Oh, he is so good. So he's probably my favorite character. His name's Rowan. Okay. Um, anyway, highly recommend it. Um, but yeah, basically everything. So the Simpsons succession, uh, last week tonight with John Oliver, Chernobyl, um, Saturday Night Live. And that's basically it. Oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. I thought that was a Netflix show, actually. Um, but yeah, basically everything else is Streaming. like Netflix or Amazon, which is big progress for these programs. I guess Killing Eve and Barry are both. We watch them streaming, but um, so it, it's kind of about 50-50. Okay. Which is still surprising. Um. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that some other time. Like, if streaming should have their own Emmys. Emmys, yeah. I think that it eventually will be just a streaming Emmys because I think the days of linear television are over. Basically, besides local news programming and sports. And sports. So, basically, over the air stuff. Yeah. I think basically every, I think more and more programs are going to start going to streaming. Also, it's interesting that, okay, so a couple things we're excited for. We've already talked about these, I think. Disney Plus comes out in November. Mm-hmm. I'm super stoked for that. Um, but I heard, I heard, I don't know if this is true. I haven't watched any shows that have done this. But Netflix is starting to do week-to-week yes. series. Uh, great British Baking Cook-Off or Bake Off or that. Cook-Off or whatever. My wife watches that show. Okay. And it's week and she to pointed week. out, yeah, it's week to week, Wild. every Friday. So I kind of like that. I wish that they would have done that with some other shows, um, just so it kind of keeps them in the conversation longer rather than everyone binging yeah. it. Yeah, you know. But the binge mode model is a great model because um, people that 
like to consume stories at once instead of because like i'm gonna be honest i remember watching a lot of week-to-week shows and like i would totally forget what happened the week before and i didn't really care but here's the thing now it's just being replaced instead of remembering what's happening episode to episode while you're binging it season you're forgetting it the next season what happened last season so you basically have to go through and rewatch it which i'm sure netflix is fine with they are fine with people reusing and rewatching their content yeah but yeah it's uh i don't know i i'm split on it i kind of i wish that it was like three episodes would drop at once and then three episodes would drop the next week and three episodes would drop the next week i think the week-to-week model works fine especially if it's like longer format shows like game of thrones Mm -hmm. where each episode's like 80 minutes um but for like a baking show that's probably like 25 minutes or 24 minutes long winning a week seems like a waste (laughs) don't you think yeah yeah i don't know but anyways i'm happy with the way i consume television right now and if it changes i'll just go with the flow so we'll see what happens um a couple things i'm looking forward to coming out soon riverdale is back okay i stand riverdale (laughs) it is my terrible tv show that i love to watch it's so corny but it's so good um el camino the breaking bad movie they just released another trailer uh we actually saw jesse pinkman for the first time cool after the series has ended so i'm looking forward to that um i think it'll be really good yeah i'm i'm excited um so uh, I think that's basically everything I have. Um, to kind of tease what we have coming up, um, I want to do, like, I have a couple ideas of things I want to do, and I'm going to present them to him on the podcast. We're going to do a conspiracy podcast, um, basically, like, about conspiracy theories that, like, maybe we believe, or, like, like kind it. of making fun of the whole conspiracy th- theory idea of conspiracy theories as a whole. They're great. They're great, and they're entertaining, <laughs> they're but, man, sometimes, like, when you look at them on like Reddit or like Instagram, it's just fun. Yeah, to sit back and enjoy them. But um, we're gonna talk about that. Uh, I want to also just like basically do this. I have an idea. We'll talk about it off air. But it's like a pop culture thing where we basically take like two pop culture products and like compare and contrast. And, like, say which one is like a better version of. Okay. It, the other, if okay. that makes sense. Okay. I don't know if I'm necessarily throwing down like parks, parks and rec in the office. Okay. So we'll talk a little more about it. I like it. I was watching a movie that's a Disney movie with my son today, and um, this is where the idea stemmed from. Okay. Can't wait to hear the rest of this. Okay. Um, I think that's everything we got though. Yeah. Uh, we will be back next week. Um, talking more. Cougars, Utes, and Aggies. Uh, we're getting close to jazz yes, coming back. So uh, we'll start talking some jazz. Maybe they won't break our hearts and ruin our travel plans for the rest of the year. Can't wait. Spider needs to get back on that field. Yep. Uh, we got more high school court. coming up again. So make sure you guys stay tuned to Game Night Live, Sports Beat, all of our kslsports.com products, our podcasts, anything that we do, it is excellent so check it out yeah well thanks for listening to sports beat after hours oh also be on the lookout for uh we're gonna give away some custom t-shirts soon for those of you who made it this far yeah well thanks for listening good night everybody